Welcome to the Orbit of Venus podcast. My name is Jane Archer, and I am your host. This is a space we will explore all the ways in which Venus orbits our own lives. Beyond just a planet in the sky and a popular feminine archetype commonly seen throughout history in cultures across the world, Venus represents all things beauty, radiance, creativity, embodiment, relationship, aesthetic, expression, what we value, mother nature, pleasure, and ultimately love. Together we will dive deep into the many sacred mysteries, teachings, and topics of all things Venus. Welcome to the orbit of Venus. Welcome home. Hi guys, how's it going? My name is Jane. I'm the host of this podcast. Super excited to be here. Super excited to be finally starting this adventure. Um, No idea where it is going to take us, but I definitely know that the call was getting way too loud and I could not keep ignoring it. So here we go. Episode one. Okay, so the orbit of Venus, you might be wondering, what the heck does that mean? And good question. You are in the right place. So I just kind of want to like get down to the nitty gritty origin story of the orbit of Venus. And for lack of better word, this platform, the words, the orbit of Venus have been orbiting me for the last five years or so. And I have always had a fascination with Venus in general. And I would say it really kicked off when, well, I think I did my entire life. I've always been drawn to, to arts, to color, to aesthetic, to beauty, to all of it. But I didn't really have a name for it. And then in 2006, I was living in Sedona, Arizona in between university semesters, attending a 200-hour yoga teacher training. And it was very intense. We were waking up every day at 3 a.m. and doing our practices and learning all of these ancient texts and mantras. It was like, it was a hard month to say the least, but hard in a good way. It was like boot camp for yoga. And at the end of the month, I had a reading an astrology reading with a really well-known astrologer. And she read my chart and she said, oh, you are in currently with your planets. And I'm not that great at astrology side note, but I promise to bring someone on later in the future who is. But so I'm totally botching this. If you are good at astrology, you're probably like rolling your eyes. But she said to me, you are in for the next 20 years, you are in a Venus cycle. And I think there's like 12 different cycles you can be in throughout your life. And you're born into a certain cycle based on the time and birth place that you are born into. And um, you can be born into a Mercury cycle, Saturn, Jupiter, so on. So sun, moon, blah, blah, blah. But I happen at the time to be in a Venus cycle. And she said, more specifically, you're in a Venus cycle, but within that cycle, you're in the sub Venus. So I was in a double Venus cycle. <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, what does that mean? Astrology at the time was very new to me. And she said that, you know, the overarching themes of Venus are love, themes of love, themes, and not just romantic love, but 
matters of the heart, you know, like how we relate to the world through our heart and through the expression of love. And so it can look like lots of material abundance, lots of wealth, uh, romance, creativity, beauty, aesthetic. But then on the flip side, Venus can also be abundance of too many things. So at first I thought that sounds great, but the reality is, is that it's a 20 year cycle. And we all know that within 20 years, every flavor of life can come through. So it's more like the filter that you're living your life in. And so it kind of really shifted. Whoops. Sorry. My mic just, by the way, I am in a makeshift studio in my apartment right now. So bear with me, but I view astrology as a filter that we view our lives or that we experience the world. And so I have had these Venus lenses on for the last well, I went into it officially in 2011, even though she fork, she told me about the cycle in 2006. So starting in 2011, I entered into this cycle. And so I'm in it until 2032. So basically I have been obviously a lot more curious about themes of Venus because I'm, I'm living it right now. And so naturally I wanted to research more, more about the teachings of Venus and what it means to have Venus energy in your life. And so I viewed it beyond just the planet in the sky, like I said in the intro, and we, a lot of us think back to, there's a lot of classic art with de- depictions of what, you know, Venus looks like throughout history. And I find all of that fascinating and so beautiful, but I actually have been on my own curriculum, I would say for the last 10 years, but more specifically the last five to really peel back and get to know the energetics of beauty. And I am obsessed with it. And so that is why I have this podcast because I really want to go deep into the veins and into the sacred mysteries and teachings and, and lineages of Venus teachings. And so what do I mean like by Venus teachings? Well, I mean, teaching of beauty. If you look across the world throughout history and time, beauty is different different things in different cultures. And we all have our own way of expressing and feeling into beauty. Not only is Venus beauty, but she is creativity. She's expression. And I like to view it as expression from the heart. And so for me, the heart is the most sacred temple stage seat I can ever abide within. And I am starting to get to know my own heart. And I think it's the most profound relationship we can have is, is our relationship with ourself to our own hearts. And I'll speak for myself, but I know that it can, you know, be very easy to live within the realm of the mind in the modern day with technology and the, the speed and the velocity that we're all living. And I think that there's such a sacred tool and that's simply tuning in back into our heart. And I think that when we, when we are tuned in to the heart frequency, to the heart realm, we're more in our expression. We're more in our authenticity. We're more able and ready to receive and to give love. And so this is right now, it's currently my life's curriculum to really dive down into these teachings and also to find these own teachings within myself and within my own life. So that's kind of the origin story of my love affair with Venus is it just is so beautiful. And then 
boiling back even further, when I really look at my life's themes, Valentine's Day has always been one of my favorite holidays. And not because Valentine's like the hallmark of it all, but when I look back on my life, my mom and my dad, they used to make the biggest deal over Valentine's Day in the most subtle, simple, sweet ways. And it really impacted me as a child. Uh, both my mom and my dad were always so sweet around the holiday. And I think as a child growing up, Christmas and all of the hustle and bustle was really fun. But I always used to say to my mom and dad, like, why do we have to make it such a big deal? Can't we just have a simple Christmas? Can't we just, do we have to do all the gifts? Do we have to have a huge dinner and make it stressful? And when they didn't see it that way, but as a little kid, I used to think like, gosh, everyone's getting so worked up over you know the holidays. Um, and I didn't understand. So when Valentine's Day would roll around, I thought it was such a special, sweet little day because there was no massive dinners around it. It was just simple. It came and it went, but there was a theme of love. And my mom, if I ever have children, this will be a theme that I want to, a tradition that I want to carry out. But my mom, she used to, when we were super little, she used to, uh, we'd wake up on Valentine's day, uh, year after year. And she would say that the cupids had come and in our kitchen, there would be candy hearts, like thrown all over the kitchen and chairs would be knocked over and they'd leave like heart-shaped cookies and pink milk and, you know, maybe a little gift of like Valentine's Day socks or a Valentine's Day dress or whatever. And it was just really sweet. And my dad, same thing at my dad's house, he used to, I remember waking up on Valentine's Day and he would always have like a giant Hershey kiss or I'm a child of the nineties. So, and I just remember it being so sweet and so touched even as a child. And I loved going to school and giving all of my friends love notes and it might sound naive or cliche, but it truly, I find that the essence of Valentine's day outside of the romance and the pressure that we all feel through pop culture. I think the essence of it is quite lovely and quite beautiful. It's a day to have an excuse to celebrate your love for everyone and anyone in your life. And to me, that is why I am here. I feel like it's why we're all here is to experience the many flavors of love. And so, yeah, so Valentine's Day has always kind of been a theme. And I feel like Venus and Valentine's Day have a lot of similarities. I feel like if there was an, like an official holiday for, for Venus, I think it would be Valentine's. And then the other thing is I knew that all of the breadcrumbs of Venus were lining up in my life when I think it was about five years ago, I was uh, scrolling through a NASA website and I saw a pentagram, basically the path of Venus in relation to earth. So the path that the planet uh, travels in relation to earth, and it actually makes like this etch-a-sketch looking type uh, pattern of a flower. And below, so I saw this like pentagram in the shape of like many flowers laying on top of each other. And below it, it said, Venus's orbit in relation to earth. And it said like eight orbits. And I was like, holy crap, this is incredible. Like the planet Venus and our earth do a dance of a flower. And to me, that was just another representation of Venus being this ultimate feminine, creative, purposeful energy. And so it's just such a, such an energetic that I am very, very curious about. So that is how the orbit of Venus started. And then I peeled back, what does the orbit of Venus in my own life look like? And so for me, 
Venus, as, a, as we all know by now, mean, you know, for me, it represents love and relationship and what I find beautiful and what I value. And so it's how all of these themes orbit my own life. And yeah, so that is what this platform is. And it sounds very broad and maybe it sounds esoteric and kind of out there, but I, I feel like it's very simple in its origin. And I'm just really thrilled to be having this theme and this topic and to bring on many guests who who are following their own orbit of Venus within their own lives, their own passions, their own heart's work, their own rhythm. And also, I really want to go deep with you guys into some of the sacred teachings that I have discovered throughout my own journey. And another side to me is I feel like I'm just talking about myself nonstop, but I guess that's the point of a podcast. So (laughs) I need to get used to that. But another side to my life journey up until now is in my twenties, I was what my first job was at a yoga studio when I was in high school. And so I was raised uh, Catholic and And I was always, I viewed God as this man in the sky and it was always kind of like cartoonish, cartoonish. It was never like, um, a personal relationship. It was like, I was down here. God was up there watching me, making sure that I did right and wrong. And I, not that that has anything to do with Catholicism at all. I think Catholicism is a beautiful religion, but that was my own interpretation of religion when I was a child. And so, but I always felt very drawn to the teachings and just to the grace of Mother Mary and Jesus as, as people. I felt, especially with Mother Mary, when I, I loved stories of her when I was younger and I was always drawn to just the kindness and the compassion that I felt like this very gentle strength. And so that always stayed with me. And then when I was in my later years of high school, I got a job at a yoga studio and it was kind of my first intro into Eastern philosophy, Eastern thinking, Eastern mysticism. And it really, really impacted me because I was raised in this Western religion. And then I started to explore Eastern. And this was back in 2002, 2003, when yoga was something that like I always joke, like my dad didn't understand it. He, whenever I said I was at yoga, he, he thought I was at fro- getting frozen yogurt. Like he didn't know what the hell yoga was. And it was more like something that like weird people that ate granola and wore, wore strange clothes. And I remember like, if you did yoga, like you have to be flexible and all of these archaic ways that people view yoga. But anyway, so it wasn't really as popular as it is now. It's amazing how fast the culture of yoga has just boomed in the last like 15, 20 years. So it was kind of like left of center growing up and, but it really impacted me. It really called to me. So when I was 21, I, in between my semesters at school, I took like a leave from a semester and I went down to Sedona, which is a magical place if you haven't been. And I did a month long yoga training, which was so intense. And it was not a retreat in any sense of the word. It was very like, ego blasting, being 21 on your Christmas break and waking up every morning at 3 a.m. to go and sit and chant and then meditate and try not to fall asleep and and then chant some more and then meditate. And it was intense. So, and then I got more and more and then I got into breath work and 
I got really involved with the Art of Living Foundation in my 20s, and with which if you haven't heard of them, make sure to check out the Art of Living Foundation. They're an incredible humanitarian nonprofit organization in over 150 countries around the world. But there is a beautiful breathing technique practice that they teach, and I got certified and trained to become a teacher through them. And I started teaching breath work and meditation techniques to university students and and young professionals in my hometown of Reno, Nevada. And it was beautiful. It was a really beautiful time. And then after that, I went on to travel throughout India and I lived in ashrams and I was just completely captivated with the spiritual path and, and service and really getting to know my own relationship to source and spirit and investigating all of these ancient techniques and diving deep. And so I'm grateful for this time in my twenties. It was very, at times it was jarring because I felt like I was living in between two worlds because I had my friends in school and then I had this like quote unquote spiritual life that I thought I had to live or I was trying to adhere to through my own internal pressures. And so it felt like I was on a balancing act. It was like I had two sides of me. And so it hasn't been until I would say the last like five, six years where I really have shed all of that two different sides of me. And I've turned it into, I'm trying to embody and integrate all of those sides of me into me. And I really believe that the teachings of Venus and mother Mary and all of these divine feminine teachings are about being the darkness and the light. It's about the totality of who we are, not just the good or not just the pretty things, but bringing in all of ourselves so that we can fully stand in our power and our truth and embody all of it. And so that is where I'm at right now. And I really find that the teachings of Venus do that. It encourages me to to bring my whole self and to meet myself where I'm at versus trying to adhere to this yogic lifestyle or shunning the yogic lifestyle or whatever, kind of just setting all of that aside and allowing myself to be where I'm at in this moment in my own truth. So yeah, that's kind of my story there. And then I now live in Los Angeles, California, and I work in film and television. And I've been down here for the last seven years in this realm of entertainment. And it's one of my life's passions is to write and tell stories and be around creative minds. And so that is my goal here is just to bring as many delicious stories and experiences and wisdoms from myself and others into your ears to hopefully impact your life. So that I think is kind of what I intend with this space in a nutshell. Ultimately, I want it to feel like a holographic space. A big part of my story now is I'm very much into Kundalini yoga and it's something I have been going down and I'm throwing out terms. And if it sounds like I'm speaking a different language, bear with me. I will have, we'll go deeper into these topics in future episodes. But in the last, I would say two to three years, I've really been diving down the teachings and the lineage of Kundalini. And I have found that, oh my goodness, if you have not tried Kundalini yoga, 
definitely try it if it sparks your interest at all. It's not what you think yoga is. A lot of it is breathing techniques and meditations and mantras all to up-level our our nervous system, our vibration, our, our energy levels so that we can be more in a vibrational frequency of harmony with our true selves. And I have done many techniques throughout the last 15, 20 years, and I have found that kundalini is one of the most effective for for shifting things. I'm also very fascinated with the subconscious mind and how our subconscious brains are very much running the ship. And if we don't rewire and get rid of the kinks in our subconscious minds, then those kinks will continue to run our day-to-day lives. And so I find that through Kundalini and through a lot of the practices I do with uh, the Venus teachings and working with the energetics of beauty, I find that a lot of these subconscious glitches per se from programming, social programming, childhood traumas, simply just being a human in the modern day, et cetera, get rewired and rewritten. And I'm a huge supporter in we're not, or I'm a huge believer that we are not as broken as we think we are. And so that, that will also be a theme on this platform is that I think, and whenever I say, I think like, obviously I'm speaking for myself. So take what you like and leave the rest. But I really feel like we live in a time, I think with the wellness wave that has come on in the last 10 years, whenever there's something that I think is of value, it's almost as if another wave comes with that. And that is the wave of commercialism. And I don't even know capitalism, not that any of these things are bad, but it can sometimes distort the message. And I think with the wellness industry, I'm a huge you know supporter. Some would even call this podcast a wellness podcast. I, I would argue that it's not, but you know, we are in definitely, I'm not going to deny that we are in that neighborhood. And so, but I think that we can become obsessed with trying to heal ourselves and fix ourselves. And we can become obsessed with thinking that we're broken and that we need something, a technique, a belief system, a teacher, a guru, that we need something outside of ourselves to heal ourselves. And I look, I've done it all. So I'm not knocking any of that, but I really, my main message right now is that in our truth, in our essence, we are just fine the way we are. And that there's something to fully embodying and fully accepting our whole selves and integrating that. And just simply waking up to the fact that we're, we're amazing. <laughs> just the fact that we are incarnated as a human being on this earth and not a spider or an ant or a squirrel or a bird, which I kind of sometimes wish I was a bird. I digress. Think about it. The fact that we are here in a human body experiencing a human life in this short drop of time, in the history and the grand spectrum of time, space, and existence, the fact that we're here in this drop of a life is freaking magnificent. And so I don't want to waste time searching for where I need to fix myself anymore or where I need to heal myself. I think that a life of joy and a life of love and following what really lights up your heart, I think that is the path of healing. That is the path of least resistance. And so 
for me, I have a very large history of searching for solutions and trying to figure out and trying to fix. And what I'm discovering more and more as I go down these beautiful teachings myself and in my life and I apply it is that none of it is necessary. What's most necessary is following and residing in the lap of the heart and and truly coming back to the heart over and over and over again. And everything else just takes care of itself. So that is where I'm at. You know, I just thought of a quote. I recently read a quote that said that the heart velocity or the heart voltage is much more strong, powerful, and magnetic than the voltage of the brain. Like when you, like, I I don't know, maybe science figured it out that the voltage of the heart versus the brain, the heart will always win. And so, yes, this This is what I am passionate about currently. What else to share before I wrap this up? The other thing is I, outside of following and pursuing a career in entertainment writing, I also write books on the side. And so I am publishing my second book, Venus, Venus, this week, actually. It's called Venus, Venus, Love Notes from Beyond. And my first book, which you can find on Amazon, is called Warm Heart, Neon Soul. And both of these books are special in that they are channeled love notes from beyond. And I've always been told like, you know, you're a channel, you can, you can access your guides and angels and you have a very clear, clear line to tap into this, but I've resisted it and I've doubted it, but I found that getting older and, and really getting more confidence in, in my gifts and in my skills that for me, writing and connecting to source is one of my favorite pastimes and it has never let me down. And so I'm less shy about it now. Um, it's something that I'm kind of stepping into, uh, being able to write and channel and connect to a greater voice. And so both of these books, you could say that they're channeled of love. Essentially, I'm not claiming like a certain person, place or thing has come through, but I definitely feel like they are, you know, it's just channeled through love. And a lot of these love notes that I wrote in both of the books are quite some of them are quite profound in the sense that it's nothing that my my me Jane brain would would sit and make up. So that is the power of the heart. I believe that we're all channels and that we all have a channel to our heart. And I think that we all have our own way to connect to it. Mine happens to be through writing and, and expression. Some people it might be through basketball or through cooking. Also another another way I like to channel is taking naps. Uh, just kidding. I do love naps. So this podcast is actually sponsored by naps. Anyway, also kind of weird humor. So you will get to know it. Definitely. I just want to make sure that there's nothing else I've missed out on for the basics. So I feel like, you know, times are changing. Everything is speeding up. If you're a human alive in this moment and you're tapped into technology in any way, shape or form, you are definitely aware that the time and the velocity and the human experience is getting faster. I was talking to my brother today and I was saying, you know, it feels like we are in fastball now. I am not a sports person really, but the idea of like softball, baseball, and then fastball. And I really feel like life right now is fastball and that there's no more playing around that if we're here, we're here for a reason. And we, we all have our own mission and something to give this world. And so there's no more sitting for me. There's no more sitting around on the sidelines, twiddling my thumb, wondering 
asking, questioning, doubting, looking for validation, like all of that is bullshit and there's no time for that anymore. Not to say that I don't still have days like that, but I firmly believe in every cell of my body that we are all here for a reason and that if we're incarnated in this time and space, during this time of history on planet earth, there's a very specific reason for it. And so me stepping out and making this podcast is sort of my response to that fastening of life and realizing that it's now or never. It's like, now's the time, not tomorrow now. And so, but on the flip side, I'm not rushing to anything. It's just simply responding. I hope that makes sense. So yeah, so I really want this space to feel holographic and that I believe that we are holograms and that we're always changing and morphing. And we'll go deeper into that. It might sound super strange to hear that, but I want it to feel holographic in the sense that it's alive and that this is a living, breathing community and it's not just mine. It's all of ours. And I really want the collective to feed into the vessel that, that this will hopefully take shape into being. So yes, I am really thrilled and honored to have any ears out there listening to me and... I'm really excited for episode one following this. It's with one of my dear friends, Dr. Sirago. She's an incredible naturopathic doctor in Southern California, angel healer, intuitive, and just all around incredible human. That's coming up down the line. We have an interview with a dear friend of mine, Madeline Giles, who is a angelic breath healer. And then we also have Anna Maria, a good friend of mine who is a beekeeper and she's very well-versed in sustainability and herbalism and agriculture and farming and just all around incredible human. She recently had a baby. So we have a lot of really exciting episodes uh, teed up down the line. And I think that's pretty much all I really wanted to share right now. I'm just like making sure that I'm not forgetting anything. Ah, yes. The other thing I wanted to say is that If you ever hear on this podcast, if you ever hear the words, you know, God or source, or when I speak about Mary Magdalene or Mother Mary or Isis from Egypt or any of these archetypes or feminine energies or just in general, anything to do with higher powers or the overarching theme of love and source, if that makes you uncomfortable, then just find a word that feels comfortable. For me, this is not any specific religion or any specific belief system on this stage. I really welcome all belief systems and all names of love. But for me, at times, it's fun to connect to certain energies of, of source. And so you, I will definitely be referencing those types of characters throughout our journey. And yeah, I'm just thrilled. Like I keep saying, I don't know why I keep saying I'm thrilled. I think it's because I truly am thrilled to be going down this road with you or this river of Venus. And I'm just looking over my notes and Roman mythology refers to Venus as my favorite, the goddess of victory. And to me, Venus is victory. It is truly victory over our small mind and it's victory of stepping into our hearts and living from our heart space. And I don't think I'm not just talking for the feminine energy. I'm talking for the human being experience living from the heart space, I think is the most magnetic, 
magnificent space that we can reside in. And when we are in our heart space, I really believe that we're in our own magnet and that we could, we draw into our lives and into our human experience um, and into our realities, what is really truly ours. Because when our magnet is on and there's electricity and love flowing through our magnet, then we attract in what is ours and we repel what never was ours. And so If anything, I just really hope that each episode helps you to strengthen your inner heart magnet, your inner, your inner Venus, so that you may go out into the world and really magnetize what is yours and back into your field. And yeah, so thank you for listening. This is episode one. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you have a beautiful day and yeah, more to be revealed. So lots of love and I will talk to you guys all very, very soon. Thank you.